If you needed a reason to be high on North Carolina Central going into next year, just look at all the talent that they're rolling over from last season. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU Athletics, Monday through Friday. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. And I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. Remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. And today's episode will start with the reason you should be high on North Carolina Central football team going into next season. Is mostly because of what they did in last year and who they're returning from last year. The show will end with a conversation about Fayetteville State losing talent. So you go from retaining talent and rolling over talent to losing and having to replace talent. And in between, we'll be discussing the other side of the importance of Bowie State and Morgan State shadowing the Baltimore Ravens at training camp. So, yes, we have a truly stacked episode. Let's dive into it and start off with the Eagles. The rollover from 2022 is the reason you should be high on North Carolina Central football in 2023. Now, they're the defending national champions, first and foremost. Everybody knows that. The Celebration Bowl was an instant classic. It was a game that was absolutely phenomenal, and everybody tuned in to watch it, and everybody who did tune in to watch it was instantly given a true treat. But it's not just the fact that they're the defending champions. It's about who are you returning from that championship team. Now, of course, you're coming in with Coach Oliver. You're returning your head coach. He didn't go anywhere. So the leadership, the foundation, the guy who's really leading the charge for your team He's returning. So we like that. And I love his energy all the way from MEAC Media Day up until they won the Celebration Bowl and afterwards as well. So he's returning there. But I think when talking about coaching, we might need to look at how good this was as a team. As a team first, they weren't a flash in the pan. It wasn't as if, oh, 2023 happened, they just popped out of nowhere, or they weren't that good prior to this, so are they really going to be able to replicate it? I think that they had the team success in 2021 that should let you know, okay, this is a team that is for real. And in 2021, they were 4-1 in the conference, same as they were last year. They were three points away, or really four points, because they lost by three, but they were four points away from beating South Carolina State, which would have put them into the 2021 Celebration Bowl, but that's okay. They lost to the eventual national champions. And then in 2022, you come in and you're the national champions. So there's a level of consistency over two seasons now to where you shouldn't really have to worry if they're going to be coming in and saying, ah, they might not be able to replicate. They might not be for real. 
No, I trust that they'll be for real. And that's because of Davius Richard. Davius Richard is now second all time in North Carolina Central passing. But let me tell you what he's done over his career. If we're talking about consistency, every single year he has improved his metrics. Passing yards improved every year. Yards per completion improved every year. Passing touchdowns improved every single year. Completion percentage improved every single year. Shall I continue? I will. I will, I will continue. I'll go into the running stats. Rushing yards improved every single year. Yards per attempt every single year has improved. Rushing touchdowns has improved every single year. So he's had more yards, more efficiency, and more scores every single year from his freshman year to his junior year. If there was any reason to believe that he will continue to play at a high level, I think that's it right there. Even if you don't want to get into traits and things of that nature, just look at his resume. Look at what he's done over the three years that he's played and tell me why I would question him to not come out and do it again in 2023. And that's your quarterback. That leads to charge just as much as your, as your head coach does. Okay, so let's look beyond just the QB. You also have Mookie Collier coming over. Last year, second leading rusher in the MEAC, the leading returner, returning rusher in the MEAC because Afonso Graham went on and now he's with Pittsburgh. So you have the leading passer in the conference. You have the leading rusher in the conference. By the way, Davius Richard, the leading passer, was the third leading rusher within the conference. You have the stars. How many people can really say that they are returning their stud quarterback and stud running back. Not many. Delaware State can say it, but there was there two redshirt freshmen, and quite honestly, the Delaware State offense they were fifth in passing and fifth in rushing. Yes, you can make an argument that they'll take a step up. I get it. I completely get it. And I understand it. But beyond just they'll take a step up, ah, eh, Howard. You can say it about their running back. You can say it about their quarterback. That should give you some confidence, but look at Howard. That's the team that we all expect to be competing with North Carolina Central to keep them from repeating as the MEAC champions. So look at the two teams that we're talking about. If it ain't Howard, it's either they don't have that returning factor or they do and it's just, nah, just a little, nah, you know, like, good for you, but it's not overly impressive. You still need some development. You can't stay where you are and still feel confident about the production at those two positions if you're Delaware State improvement is required but nobody not even Howard can say that they have the returning leader in passing yards and rushing yards within the MEAC that's reserved for North Carolina Central then you have Khalil Baker who on the other side of the ball on the defensive side is an FCS All-American MEAC defensive player of the year you have a player who is a dominant force the best player on his side of the ball in the MEAC, same with Davius Richard, offensive and, and defensive player of the year, coach of the year, all of that is rolling over. Now, I understand you might not feel that North Carolina Central is going to win the MEAC again. You might not feel like the Eagles are going to repeat as HBCU national champions, and you are entitled to that opinion, but I'm telling you right now, there is no reason to not be optimistic and remain high on North Carolina Central because they've had players who have done it over multiple years, who have been studs over multiple years, and they have a coach and a team in, in just all together that has been consistent from 2021 and 2022, why would I suspect them to fall off in 2023? When somebody tells me that, you know where to find me, at South Exclusives on Twitter or in the comments down below. I would love to know somebody who has the reason 
for it. But going forward, there's a side of the shadowing the Baltimore Ravens that I just didn't really touch on. And I should have I should have talked about this a little bit more. So I'm here to redeem myself and discuss the networking aspect of Delaware, not Delaware, Bowie State and Morgan State shadowing the Baltimore Ravens at training camp last week. And then also the Bill Walsh fellow, the Bill Walsh Fellowship as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. The finals are here. The finals are tomorrow. Starting tomorrow night, you got Miami versus Denver. I know a lot of people are going to count Miami out after they almost gave up the 0-3 or the 3-0 lead, but I don't know. I just can't count Miami out. I just It just doesn't feel right. I've been doing it all, all playoffs. Who's going to win how many games? You can put your eyes down on that. Who's going to be the MVP? Is it going to be Caleb Martin? Is he going to redeem himself for being robbed of the Eastern Conference final MVP in many people's mind? Is it going to be Jokic? Is it going to be Jamal Murray? Is it going to be Jimmy Butler? Who's it going to be? Who's going to win? Who's going to win the MVP? How many games is it going to happen in? There's only one place to make your money on, and that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. No sweat first bet, meaning even if you lose at first, you get another chance. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. And as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you so much for making us your first listen of the day every day. Day. On tomorrow's episode, listen, we have a big-time transfer from Texas Southern women's basketball to Jackson State women's basketball, and this is a move that I can't really blame her, even though I'm a, I'm a proud alum, I can't blame her for making this decision. Now, there's a side of shadowing the Baltimore Ravens for Morgan State and Bowie State that I just I didn't dive into, and that's on me. I should have dove into that topic but the truth is, I wasn't thinking like that. I was thinking about the X's and O's aspect. I was thinking about what they can do. So let me come back and let me redeem myself. Allow me to redeem myself because there's more than just perfecting your craft. There's more than that. That's a big part of being able to shadow and then also being a part of the Bill Walsh Fellowship. But it's not the whole story and it arguably isn't the most important part either. You know, it depends on how you look at it. Either the X's and O's or this other side is. See, when you look at Avery Williams, when Avery Williams came on, he said, we talked in depth. This is a quote from, not came on, but this is a, a quote from Avery Williams. We talked in depth about a lot of things they do in terms of scheme, techniques, they teach, etc. That's extremely beneficial in terms of developing myself as a coach. That is great. But what is going to take you the farthest is the networking opportunities that come with the fellowship that come with being invited to shadow, that's the things that we're going to see a lot of value in going forward. So though I didn't get it all out the first time, I guess this is like volume two. The things that I didn't come up with a week ago, maybe the segment was too short. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to, I'm trying to come up with some excuses, but it's all right. Regardless of, of what the reason is, we have a time to come back and discuss this networking. And to me, that is by far the most valuable thing. The most valuable thing of the fellowship, the most valuable thing of the shadowing, all of that. And just like the X's and O's, this is beneficial to the coaches and the players. 
Those are the things that I want to look at. What's, who is it benefiting? And it's benefiting the coaches and the players. So Antoine Sewell, he's going to be a part of the Bill Walsh Fellowship. But he was also there with the, with the Baltimore Ravens. I can make an argument that the fellowship is a little less effective at making networking connections than the than just the shadowing is, right? Because I don't know, I don't know who picks who goes to where, right? I don't know who says, so well, you're gonna go to the Ravens because he actually is going back to Baltimore for it. Did the Ravens request him? I don't think that's the case. I want to say that the NFL places you with somebody based on the teams that you listed you would like to go to. But I don't know how much the teams actually have a choice in that. And I think that you're a little bit more memorable when they choose to bring you up. Story time. So when I was in college, the basketball college game day came to UH for a game. And a couple of the guys who worked that behind the scenes were Texas Southern alums. So they came to TSU, and I think it was a bunch of us TSU guys and girls, and I think it was a couple of people from UH as well. And I, I had the opportunity to ask Jay Williams a question. Right. And he gave me a piece of advice that hopefully I'll be able to hand down later. I hope to be able to hand it down later down the line because it's kind of like that line. Right. 50 told me, go ahead and switch the style up. And if they hate, then let them hate then watch the money pile up. 50 said the same thing about banks. So that that little advice went from banks. It went to 50. Then it went to Kanye. But it really went to all of us once 50 said it. But Kanye then regurgitated the line and said 50 told him, I want to be able to hand it down that way. I want to be able to pass down knowledge one time when I'm the person answering the question for somebody else. But you see how vividly I remember the things that happened with Jay Williams? I can almost guarantee you that Jay Williams does not remember this random interaction on the court of UH five years ago, three, not nah, maybe not five years ago, four, three, four years ago, at least three. I'm sure he doesn't remember that. And he's not going to go do anything for HBCUs or Texas Southern or me just off the strength of, oh, I remember the mouth of the South. I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. And that's okay, right? Because that's more so on me. But it's the fact that there was a more difficult opportunity for me to really make an impression and a connection, more so a connection with Jay Will because it was so many of us and he was just speaking to a group. To me, when you look at the Ravens, because this does connect, this wasn't just a story. When you look at the Ravens and the fact that they invited Morgan State, they invited Bowie State, to me, it makes it a little bit more personal. It makes it a little bit easier for you to make those connections because they desired you to be there. Now, once again, if, if the fellowship means they the, the, the uh, teams picked you, a little bit goes out the window. But if you're just getting pushed there, they can kind of just go through the motions. I can guarantee you that Baltimore was not just going through the motions with Bowie State or with Morgan State. They were invested in helping, and now that connection has been made. Let's say now the 2024 draft rolls around, and Coach Harbaugh, he's like, you know what, I want to look for some talent. I'm going to send my scout out there to Morgan State because I know that Coach Wilson has these guys coached up. I know that Coach Sewell has these guys, or Sewell has these guys coached up. I know that these things are the case because I've seen and I picked their brain. We've talked football. I like the football mind of these guys. I want to send some of my scouts out to Morgan State. So now, of course, you're looking at the benefit of, oh, coaches can do this, that, and the third. But what about the player who now is going to be scouted a little bit better because I know someone there. I know someone in these rooms. I know somebody at TSU. So I'm going to send my people out to TSU. I know somebody at Alcorn. So I'm going to send my scouts out to Alcorn. I might visit Alcorn. And not just because Alcorn's playing Mississippi State. 
I might send them out there because I said, you know what, Coach McNair, I like the way that he develops quarterbacks. So I like the way that his offensive linemen or his outlook on offensive line play. Those things are important. And then for the coaches who are directly getting this benefit, here goes a little bit of a uh, quote from Coach Sewell. He said, coaching is not a profession where you just can cold call somebody or send a resume and get a job. People have to know you, trust you, and feel comfortable being around you to bring them into your or to bring you into their circle. There's a lot of qualified African-American coaches on all levels, D1, 2, 3, high school, everything. But if you don't know the people who are going to be doing the hiring, it's going to be a struggle for you. And that's why I appreciate what the Ravens did here, allowing us to make face to face connections. It was beneficial for everyone involved. Now, I know that was a little bit of a lengthy quote, but it's the fact that they have to bring you into their circle. Right. They have to know you. The people who are doing the hiring, they need to know you. All of those things are exactly true. And the picture that he just painted is one of the reasons that people at smaller schools come from smaller alma maters and in certain groups just aren't able to get the opportunities that others are. Because I was listening to Gilbert Arenas, uh, Arenas podcast and he said this and I thought it was true. He said, if I'm a GM, I think he named Antoine Jameson. I think that might have been who he named, right? Or Karan Butler. He said, those guys are going to get jobs. I might pick them from my coach because I know them. I know them. I played with them and I trust them to get their job done. How many people are knowing, trusting and believing in the Morgan State coaches? I would hope that Coach Harbaugh and his staff are now one of those people now that they've shadowed. I would hope that the people who are coming in for the Bill Walsh Fellowship are now going to be one of those coaches that people trust and believe in going forward. I talked about the X's and O's, but networking is just as big, if not a bigger part of why the fellowship and the shadowing are important events and things that I hope continue going forward. And speaking of going forward, as we go forward with this episode, we'll be diving into a player who has left Fayetteville State. They lost one of their most productive edge rushers in Devin Cowan. We'll dive into that as we continue with Locked on HBCU. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. I thank you two times for that. Now, Devin Cowan is leaving Fayetteville State and is going to leave them with a pretty big hole on one side of their defensive line. So there's no doubt about that. On one side of the defensive line, you're going to have a Devin Cowan-sized hole, and that's a pretty big hole to replace. I know he's only 230 as, as a defensive end, but he was very disruptive, consistently disruptive. And he's been there for two years now. So he's been a Bronco for two seasons. And he came over from UNC Pembroke. Pembroke? Yes, North Carolina Pembroke. And in that first year, he had 10 tackles for a loss. He had three and a half sacks, 29 tackles. But this year, he really stepped it up. And it actually started with the game versus his first school, UNC Pembroke. And in that game, he had two tackles for a loss, and he had a sack. For me, that kind of set the tone of what his season was going to be. Two tackles for a loss, a sack. If you put that over 12 games, you're looking at 24 tackles for a loss and 12 sacks. Not quite realistic, but he was still really active. He was still really active. 
and you look at his end number, he ended up with 15 and a half tackles for a loss. He ended with nine and a half sacks. And you'll take 25 disruptions any year. I'll take that number. I like that number. You know? Seven tackles for a loss. Excuse me. Seven multi-tackles for a loss game. Two multi-sack games. And ironically, both of those multi-sack games were against Chowin, one of which was in the CIAA championship game. He had multiple tackles for a loss in both of those games. If Cowan could go against Shawin every single year, he might be a, a top five pick. <laughs> or every single game, he'd be a top five pick. But in all seriousness, I love the fact that in the CIAA championship game, he rose to the occasion. I like players who rise to the occasion. It shows me that the, the scene, that the, the occasion is never going to be too big for you. So when you perform well in championship games and things of that nature, or if you're talking about D1 Oh, he's going to he's going against Florida State. He's going against Florida. And he still showed out. It tells me that the stage will not overwhelm you. And that's something that I like personally in my players. As of right now, it's reported that he has offers from Mississippi Valley. It's reported that he has offers from North Carolina Central. And at worst, that would mean that he's going to go up from the D2 ranks to the FCS ranks. That's what that would mean. So I, I can support the decision, you know, and, and having 25 disruptions on a year, being a guy who jumped up because you went from 10 to 15 and a half, that's a solid jump. But then going from three sacks to nine and a half sacks is a really good jump. I understand how he gets that FCS nod. But if you're in Fayetteville State, of course you hate that a guy like that is leaving. But you got to remember, you have Cameron Merrill on the other side. And with Cam, you have 24 disruptions on a year. So he has one less tackle for a loss, the same amount of sacks. But he has, instead of 60 tackles, which is what, uh, which is what, what Cowan had, instead of 60 tackles, you have 94 when you're coming from Merrill. So a 30-tackle jump. I'll take those 30 tackles and not just that one tackle for a loss. Now, this isn't a consolation prize. This is the fact that you have a great defensive end on the other side, a guy who's going to be equally disruptive and is going to be coming into his own in 2023 as well. The loss of, of Devin Cowan is going to hurt because you would love to have Cowan and Merrill on each side, right? It's not like a running back where it's like, oh, you had two stud running backs. This guy's just going to get more carries. Not quite the case. But nevertheless, you still want to look at the fact that you have a great defensive end on the other side. There's no reason to panic. Not a consolation. just a mere fact of remembering what you have. Sometimes when you lose something, you might forget about what you still have. You lost Cowan, you still have Merrill. Let's remember that the same way that you remember to make us your first listen of the day every day. I know we were supposed to discuss Coach Maynard and his Hall of Fame resume, but I thought about it. I said, that's a feature Friday segment. So on Friday, we'll be discussing that. On tomorrow, we'll be discussing this Texas Southern women's basketball player who has left for Jackson State. I'm trying to keep a little bit of mystery around it for those who may not know. So we're going to keep her nameless until tomorrow's episode. So you just have to watch out for that. Now, in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.